Well, I want to jump right in. We're going to get started really quickly because I have a lot to say and I can get a little long-winded. So we are going to go right to the scripture that will be our focus for today. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Hebrews 12. We'll be right at the start of the chapter, verses 1 through 3. If you don't have your Bibles, no big deal. It will be on the screens and it's my joy to read it to you. So here we go, Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Therefore... Since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, He endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility that he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and you won't give up. If you are taking notes today, the title of today's message is You Are Resilient. I want you to look in my eyes because I want to tell you specifically You are resilient. And if you don't know what that word means, resilient simply means that you get knocked down, but you get up again and again and again. You are resilient. That is a statement. It's a message I needed somebody to tell me 24 years ago because it was 24 years ago that I married my husband, Sean. (laughs) And it's not because the last 24 years have been awful. They've actually, my marriage has been one of God's greatest gifts. But 24 years ago, we got married. In fact, I was 24 when we got married. So I've now been with Sean for as long as I was single, which is a weird thought. So it's like my parents raised me the first half. Sean has now raised me the second half. So what you see, it's all him on him. (laughs) But Uh, 24 years ago, that's when we started having the conversation about starting a church. And Sean would say to me all the time, Jill, I feel this, this, just this desire in me to go and to start a church. I really want to start a church for the type of friends that I had in LA. Before Sean and I met, he lived in Los Angeles. He was pursuing the film industry. And then he left that and he moved to Rockford, Illinois, which is a hard move. I, California to Illinois doesn't usually happen, but he did it. And that's where I met him and so glad it happened. However, I would ask him, well, what does that mean? You want to start a church for the type of friends you had in L.A.? What does that mean? And he'd say, well, I feel like I, I, I want to start a church for people who feel like life's good. And they don't need God. And I don't feel like any of those people would sit in, step into our church where we're at right now because there's too many khaki pants and choir robes. And I was like, babe, what's wrong with khaki pants and choir robes? He's like, nothing, but, because Sean and I are so opposite. I love a good choir. Give me a good choir. And I don't, khaki looks good. So I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> I like when a guy dresses up, you know? But anyway, he said, I just, I don't see it. And so that's where my heart's at. And I would listen to him talk. And all the while on the inside, I'm thinking, 
it's never going to happen, and I couldn't be happier that it's never going to happen. So I'm just going to tell him what he wants to hear every time he talks about it. I don't recommend that in a marriage. 24 years later, I say, don't just tell your, your, your person whatever they want to hear. It doesn't work in the long run. But I would. I would tell him what he wants to hear and be like, yeah, babe, we're going to do this. You're going to do this, and it's going to be amazing. All the while thinking... I'm safe. We're good. Because the reality was I didn't want to start a church. And I hope that as you hear me say that, you don't hate me a little bit. But it was fear. Was the, fear was at the root of that not wanting to move and go. Uh, uncertainty, worry. I was afraid most, but also just not a risk taker. And so every time he'd talk about it, I would just, I'd champion him as if it's not going to happen. But six years later... <laughs> It happened, and he came to me, and he said, babe, now is the time we have to move. We have to go. I can't, I can't put this dream on hold any longer. Now is our time, and I was so torn and so sad because we had so many good friends, and we had family nearby, and I just didn't want to leave. There was so much uncertainty in leaving everything familiar and moving to this very foreign, unfamiliar place. And I couldn't understand in that process. I'm like, why wouldn't God tell me? Because actually, I've been serving God longer than Sean, so why wouldn't God tell me? And I'm not hearing anything. And that too, the very you're seeing the very ugly, self-righteous, and prideful side of me that it's taken 24 years of marriage and a whole lot of Jesus to work out of me. But I didn't hear God at all. However, I watched my husband, and I saw him pursuing Jesus constantly about it. And I knew that I could trust God to guide my husband. And so in that moment, I said, okay, babe, you're right. You're right. We need to go do this. And so it was in that moment that we started the journey to start a church. It was in that moment that he and I began that leg of the race that God had set before us, like it talks about in Hebrews 12. And what I want to say to each and every one of you here in the room, every single one of you, every single one of us has a race that God has set before us to run. Because the truth of God's word is, there, he is wild about you, crazy about you. You are God's unique design. And if you look at Psalm 139, I'm going to be throwing tons of scripture at you today. So if you are taking notes, write these scriptures down because you're going to need to take them home later and go over them again and again and again. But Psalm 139, read the entire chapter, but it, it talks specifically about how God feels about you, his unique design. And Psalm 139.3 says that God has searched out your path and he's acquainted with all of your ways. So know this, church. God sees you. He has a race that he's set before you. He's chosen you. He delights in you. And you are qualified through Jesus to run this race and to do something amazing. And you can. And you will. But if you're like me, sometimes you hear, oh my goodness, God has a race set before me. And that word race in and of itself feels exhausting. Because the reality is, I would guess that the majority of this room 
if not now, at some point in time has has felt tired and worn out and exhausted because life is tough. All of us collectively have experienced a really difficult three years. But on top of that, as individuals, when the hits come, sometimes it feels like you get hit by something difficult and the hits just keep coming and coming and coming in rapid succession. And so what do you do? What do you do when your emotional tank or your relational tank feels empty? And you say, well, what does that mean? Your emotional and your relational tank, Jill, what does that mean? That simply means, have you ever felt like, or do you feel now like, I just want to quit. I want to give up. I want to give up on my career. I want to give up on my dreams. I want to give up on my marriage. I want to give up maybe on pursuing this relationship with God because I don't even know if he's real anymore. I don't know if he hears me. I don't know if he's paying attention. Or maybe you're sitting in the room and you're wondering, is life itself even worth it? And you've thought about giving up on life. Well, I want to say to you today, don't give up. You are resilient, but you cannot do it on your own. You cannot do it on your own. I know that feeling of wanting to give up. Two years into the history of Red Rocks Church, so when Red Rocks Church was two years old, this is Red Rocks Church, Denver, I was really depressed. It was not going well. And, and I mean, we were struggling to get people to come to church. It was just, we were in an exhausting grind. I was lonely and sad and still very much missing Rockford, Illinois. And a friend of ours named Jeremy, he stepped into the lead pastor position at the church we were a part of in Rockford. He flew to Denver. And he came and he took Sean out to a really nice dinner. And he said, Sean, hey, I'm, 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 I stepped into this place as lead pastor. I've done away with all the khaki pants and the choir ropes. And he didn't really do away with khaki pants. He Wear whatever you want. Just as long as you're dressed, you can come to church. Okay? <laughs> so, so Jeremy said, Sean, come home. Just come home. We can do this together. Jen and I, my wife, we've watched you and Jill struggle. And valiant effort. Valiant effort. But... Just come home. You can have like insurance and a stable paycheck and the housing market in Illinois is way better than than Denver. So just come home. And so Sean came to our home and he's telling me this story and I'm, I'm so excited because I'm like, yes, thank you. Thank you for permission. I can be done. And so I asked Sean, well, what did you say? Sitting on the edge of my seat, what'd you say? And he said, Jill, I told Jeremy that God would have to rip the roof off of our house in order for us to ever go back to Rockford, Illinois. <laughs> and I was so deflated and sad and mad. And I'm like, what? why? Why? I'm ready. I, I'm ready. And he's, he said, Jill, I just know. I just know that this is where we need to be. And we can't quit. We can't quit. 
Well, that night we went to bed and there was the craziest windstorm that we had ever experienced. I thought there were no tornadoes in Denver. They don't happen often. It wasn't a tornado, but there was a crazy storm. And I, I looked at Sean and he looked at me wide-eyed and I said, Sean, tomorrow morning I am going out into the yard and if there's one shingle in the grass, if there's one shingle lifted from the roof, then I can see it from the ground. We are going back to Rockford. But as you can see, God had that roof solid and really strong and intact because <laughs> we didn't leave Denver, and here we are today. Here we are in Austin, which is an amazing God, God story. So how, how did we do it? How did I do it personally? The only way I was able to do it was to cling with all my might to keep my eyes on Jesus. That's why I love Hebrews 12, one through three. This is one that you're gonna take home with you and cling to. It is a wealth of insight into a life of endurance and a life of living resilient. Hebrews 12, one through two, it says, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Faith. So how do we run with endurance? How do we live resilient when we have questions, when we have doubts, when we wonder? How do we keep running our race when our emotional tank is empty? We do it by keeping our eyes on Jesus. And one of the ways that we keep our eyes on Jesus is looking to God's word. I love God's word. It is one giant love story from start to finish, Old Testament to new. It is one long love story. And all throughout the entire story, start to finish, you see God constantly reaching for his people. It's the story told through the Israelites. It's a story for us. And that story ends with Jesus coming, paying the price for the sin that came into the world, for our sin, giving us new life. And the beauty of it is the story isn't even finished yet. Like we still have Jesus to look forward to. He is one day, he'll come again and he'll do away with evil once and for all. And we still have that to look forward to. The Bible is just a beautiful love story. But until that day that Jesus comes, or until that day that we meet him face to face, it's his word that will continually revive our weary soul. His word. And one thing that I have learned, the beauty of God's word, is that as you get into it, you begin to see who he is, who God is, who Jesus is. And if there's one one thing that will help you to live this life of resilience, it's this, that when you're in it, when the hits keep coming, you focus on who, the who, rather than the why. When life is hard and when we don't understand, it's so easy to ask that question, why, God, why? Could I encourage you to just do your best to focus on the who rather than the why? We will all be tempted to give up. But as we focus on who, it does something to 
to, to build up the strength on the inside that we have to keep going. And if you say, well, I'm not sure who, because I haven't started this journey of investigating, let me show you who it is that will breathe life into you as you are weary. Let me show you who will carry you through time and time and time again. This is who. Psalm 31, 7 through 8 says, I will be glad and rejoice in your mercy, God, your mercy, your steadfast love, because you have seen my affliction. You have taken note of my life's distresses, and you have not given me into the hand of the enemy. You have set my feet in a broad place. And then Psalm 62, 2, he is my he only, talking about God, he only is my rock and my salvation, my defense and my fortress. I shall not be greatly moved. And then I put three more scriptures that I do not have time to read to you, but I wish I did because they're just so good. Psalm 5, 11 through 12, Psalm 18, 16 through 19, and Psalm 21, 6 through 7. So Red Rocks Church, you have some homework to do right now. I'm like a mom in this moment. You have homework to do. You need to take these scriptures home and read them over and over and over again. You have no excuse at this point to not get into God's word and say, well, I don't even know where to begin. I've given you a place to begin. You're going to get lots of scriptures where you can begin to, to take it in for yourself. I have been really fascinated by the Jewish people because it's through the Jewish people that Jesus came to us. It's through their story and their history that we ourselves have received salvation and a message of hope. And so as I've studied, I have found, it's so fascinating, the Jewish people look at God's word as God's table. It's a table that he's invited us to come up and sit around. They, they look at scripture as a feast. You know, we've heard, or maybe you've heard it said before, come taste and see that the Lord is good. And the Jewish people, they see it as a feast because they want to, as they, as they read, they want to digest it. They want to take it in because they want to embody it and flesh it out. It's so cool. And that does, as you find, as you read over and over and over again, it does, God's word starts to get in you. I learned that rabbis will go into kindergarten classrooms and they will spread out wax paper on a table and they will invite the kindergartners to come up and they'll put honey all over the wax paper. And they'll invite the children to come and dip their fingers in the honey and taste it. And after, it's not COVID friendly at all, but it's okay because thankfully, honey heals. And if you look at Psalm 19.10, it talks about the word of God being sweet as honey and like honey from the honeycomb. And what the rabbis will tell the kindergartners, they'll say, taste it. Because this is what the word of God tastes like. Take it in. It's good for you. And it will do its work in you. How sweet is that? Like literally and figuratively, the word of God is sweet like honey and honey heals. It has healing properties. It soothes. It soothes. 
And that's good news for those of us with a sweet tooth, too. Like, I have a sweet tooth. So the fact that the word of God is sweet is such good news. We keep our eyes on Jesus by looking to his word. We live a life of resilience and endurance by looking to God's word. Secondly, we keep our eyes on Jesus by spending time in prayer. And you say, Jill, these are such simple points. I know, I know. But honestly, I've learned, one thing I've learned, the simple sustains. It really does. And who needs complicated opinions and messages? And we, we don't need that. Life is hard enough, right? So the simple sustains. Embrace the simple. And looking directly at Jesus' life, Jesus himself prayed often. Scripture says he would go sneak off to be alone so that he could pray. Mark 1, 35, Luke 5, 15 through 16, Luke 22 through 39. I'm not going to read them, but I'm giving them to you so that you can go look at how Jesus did his life because it would do us so well to model our lives after his. And it would do us so well to just develop this habit of prayer. And again, keep it simple. Keep the prayer simple. Sometimes all God knows the amount of time we have, and he's okay with it. But sometimes it's just this inviting God in wherever we're at in our day when we have a moment to stop and think and go, oh my goodness, God. Whether it's you're in your car driving or sitting in a carpool line or in the cafeteria at school and you have a quiet minute, wherever you are, invite God in. And sometimes you'll find that the only strength, the only prayer you can pray is to say the name of Jesus. But there's power in his name and his name in and of itself is sometimes the only prayer we need. Jesus spent time in prayer often, and I imagine he did so for many reasons. However, I, I can't help but think he also knew how good it felt to just tell God everything. When you're in prayer, just tell God about it. Tell God about what is weighing heavy on your heart. Tell God about what you're going through. There's something so cathartic about just spilling your soul and all your words, letting them flow to someone. And I think sometimes we feel like we have to find people and go to people to tell them, here's what's going on and what do I do, what do I do? But could I encourage you, church, go tell God about it. I hope that you leave today, next time you have something heavy on your heart that you have to talk about, you think, you stop and think, oh, wait a minute, I can go to God and I can tell him everything the psalmists, they poured out their, their tears and their fears to God again and again. When they were angry, they would tell God some really like harsh things to hear. Sometimes I'm surprised. I'm like, whoa, they said that about that person. Woo, woo. But it's true, though. Like, you can tell God anything. He can handle it. Look at what Psalm 34, 4 says. I sought, inquired of the Lord, and required of him required him of necessity and of the authority of his word, and he heard me, and he delivered me from all my fears. 
In my distress, when seemingly closed in, I called upon the Lord and cried to my God. He heard my voice out of his temple, his heavenly dwelling place, and my cry came before him into his very ears. There's something that, that when we tell God everything, when we spill our soul to him, there's something in us that it, it relieves the conflict and the tension that's going on in us to just tell God about it all. He knows it all anyway. Psalm 38, 9, Lord, all my desires before you, and my sighing is not hidden from you. My goodness, that whole process of moving to Denver, I cried so much about the littlest things. I cried, I can remember laying in bed one night, Sean, had, he was in Denver, and I was still in Illinois, looking out my window, crying that I was no longer going to have these big windows where I could see you, guide, Like, I could see the heavens from these windows, and I would cry about how I'm not going to have these windows. Silly. And then I moved to Denver, and he gave me windows where I could see a cross in the, in the distance. God, you're so good. I uh, recently, having a rough, rough day, rough moment, crying my heart out, saying, God, do you see me? Do you see my family? Do you see? Do you see I just don't feel you. And I went home that night and got flowers from a friend who I actually didn't know very well. And they were flowers that she had sent me for my birthday, which had been two weeks prior. Yes, God sees you. He sees you. He hears you. Spending time keeping my eyes on Jesus keeping your eyes on Jesus, spending time in God's word, spending time in prayer over the course of time has taught me and probably will teach you too that there's also power in thanksgiving. There's something about that attitude of gratitude that fills a weary soul. So if I could encourage you to just do your best to tell God thank you for all the good things in spite of all the bad things. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says this, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And one thing I want you to notice about this verse, it does not, get, it does not say give thanks for all things. It says give thanks in all things. So church, you do not have to tell God thank you for cancer. You do not have to tell God thank you for the death of a child or a loved one. You do not have to thank him for that. He hates cancer. He hates death. He hates it. It breaks his heart too. But what you can say in the moment is, Lord God, I thank you that you've put breath in my lungs, and I thank you that you are here in it with me, and I thank you that you'll never leave me. I thank you that you, God, are not going anywhere. And, and also, in that moment, let that be a moment where you, as you're telling God about everything, you say, God, give me the strength to be thankful. Give me the strength to keep going. There's something about saying thank you and finding a way to be thankful. All kinds of scientific studies have shown that gratitude is one of the healthiest behaviors a human can have when you stop to just reflect on what you can be grateful for what you can be thankful for it will fill this emptiness within your emotional tank that helps you to keep going and finally okay you keep your eyes on jesus bye 
looking to God's word, spending time in prayer, and finally, doing your best to commit, committing to learn from Jesus' example of endurance. We keep our eyes on Jesus by committing to learn from his example of endurance. And Jesus endured by fixing his eyes on the joy awaiting him. Hebrews 12, 2 through 3, because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people, then you won't become weary and you won't give up. Jesus endured. He endured by fixing his eyes on the prize. He endured pain and shame and hostility and heartache by fixing his eyes on the prize. And we too must do the same because believe it or not, we also have prizes awaiting us at the end of our race. And the first prize is this. If you have put your faith and your hope in Jesus and said, God, forgive me for my sins and I want to live my life for you, well, then you have heaven forever to look forward to. And that's an amazing gift in and of itself. But then beyond that, we have gifts and rewards that God will give us for finishing this race. And God is a good gift giver. He's a really good gift giver. But in the here and now, one of the gifts can simply be the fact that our pain can have a purpose here and now. Our pain can bring us closer to Jesus and our pain can bring someone else closer to Jesus. You're gonna get to watch a video here and it's a story of a family that was separated for some time. They'll tell the story themselves. The mother, she gave her life to Jesus while watching Red Rocks Church Online, the Denver campus. And so in that season, finances were tight, but she decided I wanna get baptized. So she bought a train ticket to be with her girls in Denver and they got baptized together. So watch this story. got baptized yes and you are 19 19 and it's jordan yes rebecca yes and you are the mom i'm mama bear and you are i'm gabby i'm the oldest gabby. sister you're the oldest sister okay and how long has it been now since you guys have seen each other uh two years for her mm-hmm. and over four years for her just wasn't in the right headspace to be mom yeah. at the time. Sure. So I come from a family of addiction. Sure. Uh, my father, who was an addict and passed away, I came to come and help him and try to keep him out of that world when he very much brought me into that world. I had used previously, like when I was younger, 18, 19 years old, you know, mm-hmm. very young, and I let it go for a long time. I mean, over 14 years, I was sober, and then I broke again. I've been clean officially for over two years. Come on. My ultimate goal was to just always get my family back, get my girls back. And it's just been a huge long journey. I ultimately ended up getting sick, got COVID in June. I went through the COVID piece, ended up getting strep throat, strep throat turned into staph infection in my throat. And um, I ended up in the ICU. And when they are asking you the questions of are you a DNR? Things like that. It starts really smacking you in the face. Like, holy cow, this could really be it. And my body is just not fighting anymore. And what if it, what if it gives in and I've left all of this 
I'm done. I had so much more to do. I have so much more to do. I finally came to a point where I knew that I needed to get clean. I was speaking to her at the time, my my girl, and uh, she said, Mom, let's get baptized. And I said, that would be super, super neat. She said, Mom, I go to this church. You can watch it online. And I logged in online when I was in the hospital. And I watched it and immediately was like, immediately was like, okay, this is the vibe, you know, that I'm looking for. The online church is my extended family. It's my my home away from home, my church home. And she's always in the chat. Always in the chat waves. The people are there to pray for you and with you and, and it's so great. So so awesome to be able to be a part of that. God is just moving in our lives and I, I don't even know what to do with it, but I, I'm just gonna go with it. I'm not gonna fight it, you know what I mean? All the right things are happening. It's coming together and I don't, I can't even explain it. Like from sitting in that hospital bed to where I am right now, and even if I look back two years ago to where I am right now, it's so huge. It's huge and I wanna continue to grow and flourish and be great and just fix my family and be great yeah. together. And you're gonna keep watching online? Oh yeah. So I'm talking about back. coming back January, February. So January, something pretty big is happening for us. Yeah. And What's so that? I um, my husband and I are adopting his youngest brother from the foster system. She has asked me to come and be a part of that. Here's my proposition. How about when you come in January, mm -hmm. we fly you out here first class and we'll take care of all your travel expenses and all your food and all I your meals. <laughs> we'll pay for everything. We want you guys to have an amazing family reunion. Thank you. Yes. What? <laughs> you don't even have to do that. It's already been so great. We want to. Holy cow. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even describe what I'm feeling right now. I thank you. I'm hugging you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll hug when Hayes leaves. <laughs> Just know that God is in this story. You got a lot of great things on the horizon. He's moving. Yeah. He's making moves. He's that moment, that baptism moment was the first time they'd seen each other in four years. So cool. What I didn't realize 24 years ago is that our brokenness can bless others. I'm so glad, I'm so grateful that Sean pushed us into that moment of stepping into that leg of the race in that moment and that we, we moved to Denver, Denver because that journey brought us to all of you I'm so grateful that God gave us the strength to not quit or to give up, and he will do the same for you. We don't often see the beauty that comes from our brokenness, but it will happen if we just choose to stay in it and to not quit, to not give up. You are resilient. 
and you can endure as you just say, decide, okay, I am going to look to Jesus. I'm going to keep my eyes on Jesus. I'm going to look to his word. I'm going to spend time in prayer, and I'm just going to commit to learning from his example of endurance. You see, Red Rocks Church, your race matters. You matter. There's so many people in your world. There's so many people you haven't met yet who need the God who's strengthening you to keep going. You are resilient. One final scripture that I want us to take home with us, 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 17. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Do not quit Red Rocks Church. You are resilient. I want to pray with you. And I'd like you in this moment to go ahead and bow your bow your heads and close your eyes because I want to first ask the question is there anyone in the room who like it said at the at the start of Hebrews 12 you have not yet thrown off the sin that trips you up you have not said Jesus I recognize that I am a sinner and you died to pay the price for those sins and I can have heaven forever because of you, Jesus. If you're in the play, this place and you say, I want to do life with Jesus, I'd like you to raise your hand. Awesome. Awesome. And now, in, if you're in the room and you say, you know what, I am just weary and tired and I feel, I felt like I want to give up. If that's you, I want to pray for you. So go ahead and raise your hands. Yeah, a bunch of us. Okay, let's pray together. Jesus, I thank you so much for this group of individuals. Lord God, you see, you know, you hear each and every one, and we thank you for that. We celebrate, God, the journey and the race that you have set before them, and I pray, Father, that you would empower your people to run their race to the best of their ability. And for those, Jesus, who said, I want to give my life to you, we pray together saying, thank you, Jesus for paying the price for our sins. We acknowledge that we're sinners. We, we were born into it, but you came and you paid the price for it and we're grateful and we invite you to be a part of our life from this day forward. Lord God, I pray for those who have just entered into the, a relationship with you. I pray God that you would surround them with people who will champion their faith help build their faith. I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would open the eyes of our hearts together and open our ears to hear from you in ways like we've never heard from you before. I thank you that your word is sweet like honey. I thank you that your word heals and restores and renews. We celebrate you, Jesus. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen.